Doc, I can't understand why I don't feel good. Mm, perhaps there's something in your work that's preying on your mind. What do you do for a living? Doctor, I happen to be... Ron and Anians. I have my own radio program. Do you listen to it? Yes, I've heard it. But what do you do for a living? It's amazing what's in even a base vehicle in terms of technology and, and the capability that um, that is there. Doctor, my eyes have seen the years And the slow parade of fears without crying Now I want to understand Five-year-old kid on Christmas playing with his new like toy. A, I am like a five-year-old kid on Christmas. Okay, we have a radio show to do. We are going to do a radio show. <laughs> we're, 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 but you're talking about your brand new toy. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Taking your calls, taking no prisoners, answering questions, whatever your car problem is, give us a shout at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. We're here all the time. Well, sort of here all the time. We're live out on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We are an East Coast-based show, and we go out across the radio network Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. So the 855-560 number, 955-560-9900, is there 24-7 in the sense that you can call in during the live broadcast or you can call in during non-show times, leave a message, and Tom Ray, executive producer, chief cook and bottle washer, will get back to you and uh, hook you up and put you in for the next live broadcast and the uh, next live persona with me. Yes, Mr. Ray? I just... Uh I just forwarded that number after hours to Tony's cell phone, but don't tell him. Okay, don't let him know. And uh, Tony's in mourning today. So here's the rules for today's show, folks. All right? Here's the rule. I'm in mourning? No, you're in mourning. Listen. Because you're upset about a certain TV show. Listen, you want to, we're going we're gonna to start yeah, there right Yeah, because you away. said I was in mourning. I was minding my business. No, so so we're not talking about the Giants? No, no, we're, we're not going to talk about the Giants, the Jets, Yankees? the Yankees, or the Mets. Right. We're going to, we're not in, um, how about Lethal Weapon, the TV show? How can he quit? By the way, Tony got me off the track here a minute, folks. Because, <laughs> because, the reason why you got off the track, because you said I was mourning, and I was minding my business, running the board, like I do every Saturday. He do a good job. Thank too. you, and you started it. Uh, no, no, I wasn't going to start. <laughs> you you I bought just, the noise, okay? I think we should have a national poll. There's a national show. We should have a national poll. How can Damon Wayans quit? Uh, you know, I don't get it. He should have bowed out before they fired Clayne Crawford. Uh, Either I, way it goes, Ron, life goes on. I know, Tony. You know, Damon Tony. or Clayne, they don't know you from a can of paint, so uh, move on, man, and well, just do your, do your radio show. We don't know that. Listen, it should be you and I could go west. If, no, if no, Damon, no, If no, Damon no, no, Wayans no. leaves Lethal Weapon, you and I are going to Hollywood. We're going to call it the Car Doctor and Tony Show. We'll be like a crime-fighting duo. We solve crimes and fix cars all across America. Okay. And Tom just sort of tags along and does nothing. Not a problem. Sort of like now. So I want to talk to you about... I want to talk to you about what happened in the shop this week and um now that tony got me completely my train completely off its off its off its track and train of thought but i do want to have a serious conversation about what goes wrong in a repair shop 
and, and you know, every once in a while, and I've talked to you about this, we have those those five o'clock Fridays where where things get completely just like, oh my God, the wheels fall off the bus, and it becomes a clown festival. It's just like, what went wrong? Yesterday was one of those Fridays. About four fifteen, Danny and I were trying to finish up. We're trying to get the, our cars done for the week, and we knew everything that had to go and what the list was, and it was it was getting close. Two cars left. One of them was a 2008 Chevy Trailblazer that had to have the third brake light replaced. You know, the high-mounted stop lamp assembly. Pretty clear cut. We ordered a new piece from GM, not cheap, 200 bucks. Um, they're not bashful. And, you know, proceeded to take the rear upper deck lid area apart to replace it. Well, the grommet that goes through the body is bigger than the hole that the wire comes out of. And you sit there and you look at it and you go... Gee, I wonder how you're supposed to take that apart. And you start thinking to yourself, do they want you to take the glass off? And then you realize the trick becomes that you undo the wing and sort of sneak it out from underneath. But in the meantime, those six, seven minutes as the clock is tick, tick, ticking by, getting to 5 o'clock on Friday, you're like, oh, God, please, let's just get this car done and get it out of here. The other car that had to go was this 2015 Honda CRV, and that was the one that really took up more of the time. It was simple. It needed a battery. We had just finished doing a service to it, four tires, fluids, filters, and so on. And it needed a battery. So, you know, Danny, like he's done a million times before, takes out the OBD2 memory saver, plugs it into the diagnostic port under the dashboard, swaps out the battery, and you do that to hold the presets in the vehicle, right? We talk about that a lot here, you and I. We've mentioned this time and time again. How many batteries have we talked about replacing and the procedures and memory saving, and it just goes on and on and on. And we you know, changed the battery, took the memory saver off, then he got in the car, started up, take it out, put it out front. Nothing. It was just dead. I could say as dead as the Giants offense, but I don't want to go there. It was just, there was nothing going on. There was just, the only thing that worked in this car was the horn. It's very strange. You're saying to yourself, is the new battery bad, but it can't be. The horn's working. No lights. No, no, you, you turn the key, nothing happens. Just dead. It's got to be a blown fuse. Something popped somewhere, but why would it pop with the memory saver? And if you're a Honda owner, I want you to remember this. I want you to burn this in your brain, especially if you're a 15 CRV. I can't say all late model Hondas are going to pop this very fuse, but I was just stunned to see this weakness, this Achilles heel in the vaunted Honda lineup that, oh, my gosh, Honda never makes a mistake, right? Honda had one, never did again. It turns out, if you follow the wiring diagram, you get in a power distribution diagram, and you look up through the ALDL connector, and you follow it up through the flow chart, before it gets to the starter, it goes through two fuses, a 10-amp fuse, fuse number A29, and a 120-amp fuse built into the box. Wow, look at this. What, what the heck is A129? A little 10-amp fuse that goes, it's part of the starter circuit. Why would that, uh, you know, that's the only fuse in the system besides the big one, the 120 amper. I said, you know, let me go. I, it's, uh, it's under the hood. You have to get off the underhood cover. You pull out 829. 829 is tucked down in the bottom right-hand corner of the box. Sure enough, the fuse is blown. Take the fuse out, and it's a micro fuse. 
boy, here's where that traveling salesman that sold me that new fuse pack a year ago earned his keep, right? Here it is. Now it's 10 to 5 on a Friday, and it's tick, 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 ticking away, and I'm going, oh, boy. Um, went into the back room, got out the fuse box assortment, and sure enough, had a little micro. I think it's a micro. It's a little tiny. The, the spades are recessed into the fuse. Swapped it out. The car started. But I was so incensed by what what would make that do that. And I sat and looked at the wiring diagram. I called I called one of the tech lines that we subscribe to to sit and pick somebody else's brain. And I was stunned by the answer I got from them. They said, I told the guy the story, and he said to me, let me guess. I said, yeah. He said, Fuse A29. I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, we don't know why it does that either. He goes, but we see it all the time. So there's there's, which kind of made me feel good because I figured it out. But <laughs> there's there's something about Hondas using a memory saver on late model Hondas will sometimes blow a fuse and disable the vehicle. And it made me think, wow, how fragile is this thing, right? I wonder, you know, is it a surge? Is it a spike the wrong way? I wonder what would happen if you jump-started the car wrong and, and you weren't careful with the cables and created a spark at the battery. You know, what is it that makes that A29 fuse blow? But I, I think mandatory honda should point that out somewhere in their car lineup and say if the car doesn't start that's an emergency situation that's a could you imagine the guy from triple a and i thought of this the guy that does roadside battery service they swap the battery battery out in a parking lot they just follow procedure and they plug in a memory saver to the diagnostic connector under the dashboard and then the car doesn't do anything what that what's that guy gonna do let's see him figure it out and he doesn't have the time, unfortunately. He doesn't have the resource to, access to resources and information like a repair shop does. So Fuse A29, I want you to remember that. I want to talk a little bit about Ford real quick and just mention this. I noticed this this week, too. This was, this was something else that came up yesterday on Freaky Friday at the shop. We had a 2011 Fusion all-wheel drive backing up. This is the third car that we had to get out by five. And backing up, you'd hear... And you go forward, and it wasn't there. And I'm looking at the tires, like, is there a squirrel hanging on the tire? When we go backwards, we're running it. Like, what is it? Put the car up in the air. Didn't see anything, nothing dragging, nothing hanging. And then we realize it's an all-wheel drive car. The center U-joint, it's a, it's a, it's a probably what's a five-foot drive shaft that runs from the front of the car to the back of the car. And the center drive shaft support there's a u-joint just in front of it you can see the little flakes of rust just coming off the joint now i kind of cringed for this vehicle owner because she's you know she's a um a, a single mom and this isn't the car that she you know i, I can't I'm, I'm like oh boy we just did rear brakes and or front brakes rather and now we've got to tell her this wasn't bad, though. And here's the point. Called Ford. It's a $900 drive shaft assembly. Before you fall off your chair, here's the reason for my, my thought. Um, and she took it well, and she understands, and she can get by for a little while, and we're going to you know, do what we can for her. We had just done a similar repair to a Toyota Highlander. And I want you to think about this before we, as we go to break. Um, same thing, the, the rear drive shaft chirping U-joint, which is what made me think of it. That same part on a Toyota was over $1,800. Boy, does that speak volumes about, you know, so, you know, we talk about the difference between domestic, alleged domestic, and alleged import vehicles. Are they really that different? 
Yeah, you know what? I got to tell you, that's not the first time I've seen this, but I'm seeing more and more certain domestic car manufacturers' parts prices are falling in line or, or, or are more realistic, maybe. And some of the imports, quote unquote, are just crazy out of their out of sight. I don't get it. But um, yeah, $900 drive shaft. Remember the days when you could just change a U joint? The U joint was 20 bucks. No more. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, will come back and open the garage doors right after this. Don't go away. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. That's right, if you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Let's get on over and let's talk to Julie in Cypress, California as we kick open the garage doors this hour. Julie, welcome to The Car Doctor. I'm Ron and and how can I help? We were involved. I have a question about our Jeep Wrangler Rubicon. Okay. We were involved in an accident on September 1st, 2017. After 96 days and $24,000 worth of repairs, we got the car back. Whoa. And I know. And it really didn't look that bad, but because my husband tried to avoid her and went up on two wheels, it kind of caught the undercarriage. So the whole frame was replaced. And, of course, everything else that goes along with that. At about 1,500 miles after we had the car back, the right, I'm sorry, the driver's side front tire had a very bizarre wear pattern. So we took it back to the body shop, and he said, um, the car was put back together correctly. It's a Jeep tire issue, which, of course, it wasn't. And after four months of me running around, the suspension is off in eight spots due to where, how it was put back together, and the alignment is way off. And he still refuses to fix it, said it's not his problem. Okay, so let me let me back up a second. How many miles okay. this, did this truck have on at the time of the accident? At the time of the accident, it had 6,400. 6,400 miles. That's correct. It was 10 months old. And it had 6,400 miles and, on it. And, and obviously, this repair was performed through your insurance company? Through the insurance company of the person at fault. Okay. So, you know, the only thing I can't comment on is because it's California. In New Jersey... Um, it doesn't matter whose body shop does it. They're they're just as responsible as if it was yours. Now, you know, the argument becomes that... Now, well, let me ask you this question. Did it go directly through their insurance, or did your insurance pay for it, and then they went after the other person? Directly through their insurance. All right. So have you talked to your insurance company about this? I, I have, but they say because I turned it over to the other insurance company, they're out of it. So he suggested, my agent suggested, I go get it fixed myself and then try to recoup my losses. So I, don't, I haven't taken it yet, but what I've been told is it's, it's a relatively minor thing to redo the suspension, probably about $2,500. Okay. So my question to you is the car's been sitting since March, about March 15th, and we haven't driven it other than taking it to places to have it looked at. Is it safe to drive until I have the time and money to fix it, or should I not be driving it until I get it fixed? Well, when they say it's off in eight different places, what do they what do they mean by that? Is it, so is, I, it they, is it workmanship? Is it is it is it you know uh, quality of parts? What what do they mean by that? So 
so I have this printout where they put it on a machine and gave you gave me the degrees of what it is in all these different spots where the suspension where the car is hooked to the frame, I guess. Right. And in eight of them, as many as fifteen degrees, it's off. One side of the car is higher than the other by approximately three quarters of an inch. Okay, so it sounds like this is poor workmanship, and the car never should have been put back together. Correct. I mean, that's that's what it sounds like, just from your description. But I just don't get your insurance company's obligation. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't that their responsibility to arbitrate on your behalf? Well, that's what I said, and he said if I had given it to them to begin with and not gone straight to the other company, they would have repaired it and then fought with the other company. But since I took them out of the equation, which I didn't realize I was doing. Once I took them out of the equation, they no longer have any say in it. And the other insurance company says, we fixed it. We paid him. If he didn't do it right, that's on him, not on us. We paid to have it repaired. So now you're stuck in a spot where everybody's passing the buck. Exactly. Um, Do you have a lawyer you can talk to, like a Dutch uncle? I do. Um, and I've been talking to them, and yeah. so, um, you know, now that we're where I went through the bar, I went to every, everybody. The Bureau of Automotive Repair came out. Of course, he can't tell me his findings, but he told me, be sure that I get the report and have my attorney do whatever they have to do to get it. He said, you need to see this. So I believe that he, he's telling me that there was a problem with the repair. So I'll probably have to fix it and then go after him, either through my attorney or in small claims, depending yeah. on what it is. That's what I'm But thinking. the other insurance company hasn't paid the whole claim yet either. Because? So I have to go after them. Why haven't so they paid like, it? Because they don't want to pay any more money. They didn't pay rental car. They didn't pay anything like that. So I need to go after them to collect that money. You know, and uh, I'm still without a car that we can't drive. Who, who had the, your husband? Had, your, who, whose fault was the accident? It was the other party. They made a U-turn from the curb over a double-double yellow, and it was so close to him going down the street, he didn't even see it until she was right in front of him. So she didn't see him. She never hit her brakes, and he tried to avoid her. And Well, obviously, it was her fault, but luckily for us, there was a group of golfers standing right there at a golf tournament and saw the whole thing, and they were all police officers. Okay. So in a nutshell, A, I wouldn't drive the car. It sounds like it's unsafe. B, it's it's gotta it's gotta go through your lawyer. You, you've got to get this resolved. This is the insurance company. In my opinion, I'm no judge, but in, in my opinion, as a mechanic, this is the insurance company that paid for its fault, and this is the body shop problem to get the car resolved. I would talk to your lawyer. I would proceed in that direction. Don't drive the car. Please call me back. Let me know what the end result is. We're pulling for you. All right. You take good care. I'm running the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Running into the car doctor, I'm back. The sad part about that last call is in, in Jersey, and I realize insurance is different state to state, but in New Jersey, when you have an insurance policy, you know, their obligation is to return the vehicle to pre accident condition. That's the contract. When an insurance policy is a contract in that sense of the word. And in Jersey, it's my understanding, and maybe it's a Jersey thing, but I thought it was an insurance policy or insurance company thing. Um, the repairs are guaranteed for life, and you know there has to be a guarantee and a warranty on it because of the safety issues. It, 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 it almost sounds like the repair shop that did this, again, maybe it's different in California, but in New Jersey, they're licensed body shops. Not that that solves all the problems, 
But, you know, in California or in, in, in New Jersey, it's, you have to be licensed and meet a certain standard in order to do body repairs. It's a, it's a safety thing. Of course, it kind of makes me wonder why you don't have to be licensed to be a mechanic, but that's a whole other conversation because mechanics can create more problems than, well, there's a bigger problem as body guys, but you get the point. I think she has to pursue this from the perspective of what is the obligation of the insurance company. If it's returned the vehicle to pre-accident condition, and clearly it's not, and the easiest way to prove that is that the the machine the, the the frame doesn't measure correct angles correct position and so on i i think the vehicle's unsafe to drive i i would be i would say here's my car um you owe me for damages and um uh, i'm going to write her an email i'm going to do what i can to help her that's that's very sad you know a, a, a one-year-old vehicle with six thousand miles on it and she can't even drive it that's that's just absolutely ridiculous i never heard of well you know Show me somebody that takes responsibility anymore. That's a whole other conversation. I had a, we had a, before we get to the phone, we had an, I had an email. I'm going to have to go find it and maybe read it. But it, it, it talked about, um, uh, it was in the Boston uh, Globe. And it was a story about a woman who went to an oil change place. She went to a Firestone up in, up in Massachusetts somewhere. They changed the oil on her Camaro. And... The oil filter wasn't on properly, and it leaked oil. And within two, three days' time, enough oil leaked out that the car, the engine failed. And she had it towed to Firestone, and they said, yep, the filter's not on, or whatever the story was, and you need an engine. And at last count, it's a good article. We're going to have to find it, maybe put it up on our Facebook page, Tom. I'll, I'll, I'll send Tom the link. It, um, it talks about the Firestone was now offering her... Uh, I think it was a junkyard engine and a few thousand dollars, and then they finally got up to $4,000 for a complete engine, or we've got to take the engine apart and, and see what we can do for you. Let me tell you something, and I, and I wrote the author of that article because that to me is nonsense. Take the responsibility. Bear the brunt of what you do. I said, let me explain it this way. A repair shop, a real repair shop, has to have insurance. All right, you have to have liability insurance, but both against you know you you don't put the wheel on properly, the wheel falls off, there's an accident, God forbid, or the workmanship of what you are doing. You put something together and it doesn't work, you are liable for that. That is the that is the inherent risk in being in the business. That's number one. So the repair shop has insurance. The Firestone has to have insurance to pay for that replacement engine. And number two, that filter manufacturer has insurance. A brand XYZ oil filter, whatever's fire, whatever Firestone is using at that point, you know that oil filter manufacturer has product liability insurance. And if they don't, then somebody's been lying to me for the past 43 years because I've asked that question of every part manufacturer that's come in the shop. You know, what happens if something goes wrong? We have insurance. Don't worry. We'll cover it. Yes, Tom? No, I just thought it was uh, rather funny you brought up a, uh, a Firestone in the Boston area. My daughter recently... Uh, had a oil change. She goes to school up there, and Do of course, Doctor Ray. Yes, Doctor Ray. Doctor Ray. And, and, and you know the uh, you know the car twenty uh, twenty ten Ford Escape mm. that um, has had, had its oil changed so much that you retapped the uh, the yeah, oil we, plug. The drain plugs were, the drain plug threads wore out. Yeah, yeah and, and, it, and well, we it's, fixed it. it. It's a slightly bigger one. Yeah, and you know she brought it in for the oil change, and uh, they started giving her a hard time because I guess the guy was expecting a half inch wrench and had to go with a nine sixteenths instead. And uh, then he pulls it off, and it 
RA Automotive, you always put a little bit of sealant around the uh, the threads on the on the thing before you put it back in. Yeah, that way, I don't have to tighten it very tight. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but but it also will prevent a leak. And he started going off on her about how this thing was wrong and how about uh, this thing was leaking all over the place, which it wasn't. And you know this, that, and the other. And she just picked up the phone. She very calmly picked up the phone and called me and handed it to me. And I said to the guy, I said, "You ever heard of Ron and Annie in the car doctor?" He goes, "Yeah, I listened to the show." I said, "Yeah, well, he worked on the cars. Would you like me to get conference him anyway?" No, never mind. We'll just take care of it. And it was like, it was like, dude, there's nothing wrong with the vehicle. Change the oil and move on. Yeah, you know, it's just, called. It, it, uh. it seems that. Well, in that instance, they're making Swiss cheese out of milk. In the instance of the lady with the Camaro, she's, you know, where is the responsibility? Where is the obligation of the repair shop to do the right thing? And in, in Julie's case with the Jeep in, in California, I don't understand how these guys sleep at night. I, I really don't. Fix the damn car. Uh, you know, this is what you got paid for. This is what you got paid to do. Fix the car. How hard is this? I uh, beyond, my, beyond my comprehension. Let's go talk to Joe in Florida. Joe. How are you today, sir? Ron and Annie at your service. What's going on? Good. Thank you, sir. Um, got, we just purchased this vehicle uh, from an uh, older lady. It's in garage kept, beautiful shape, 92,000 original miles on a 2002 Buick. Wow. Um, but I haven't, we haven't driven it very much. We've only put about 100 miles on it, and it's gone through three quarters of a tank of gas. Um, so, um, I have, I believe made some headway on the problem, um, after I left the message for Tom to call me, but I just thought I'd go through what I've done and see if you had any suggestions. If I still don't get anything sure. better. Good. Tell me where you're at. Um, so what I found was that, uh, my fuel trims were super lean which would be positive, way positive, almost borderline, probably setting some codes Okay. at idle. When I drove the car, they improved, but they were still positive, eh, you know, seven long-term, four short-term. Yeah, not, not, the like end, not the end of the world. Where were they? Where are they at idle? They were like 16.4. Yeah, that's high. And then maybe four or five. That's high. So we're thinking vacuum. And on diesel, like yeah. if I just let off the gas, going 30 miles an hour, uh, long-term would immediately go to 16, short-term would almost reach 10 or 12. So I'm thinking, huh, there's my problem, you know. Um, so I did the old propane trick because I believe these 38 engines are kind of common to have lower intake leaks that you can't really see. Is that um, yeah, you're among, aware of? Um, among other things. Now, now, now keep in mind, and I, and I, Always keep this in the back of my head. I'm I'm trying to do fuel trims on an older vehicle that either I don't have either I don't have experience with or it's been so long ago I forget. You know we haven't we haven't encroached in my mind so far really disastrous fuel trims, but I like what you're doing. So okay, you know keep going. Tell me where else we're at. I couldn't drive the oxygen sensor or the fuel trims um, rich with propane. Okay. I mean, they they went like a couple ticks down, but not not what I was thinking it would do. So I went ahead and got a, a Denso oxygen sensor. Are those pretty good? Yeah, they're good. I Are like those? Denso. Yeah, yeah, Denso is a product. Okay. Sure. That's what I thought. Uh, I had heard before that they made a lot of the OEMs. Anyway, 
still real, and I had a suspicious it wasn't going to fix it because the the oxygen sensor was oscillating, the old one. Right. And it didn't. So I was doing a bunch of research, and uh, I do know this lady kept all the paperwork on the car, and they someone put an aftermarket mass airflow in it. Um, the values look normal to me, so it's almost indistinguishable that anything was wrong with it. But I was doing some research. Someone did a really nice write-up, said unplug the mass. And as soon as I did that, boom, the values go way negative trying to correct itself. So yeah. early this morning. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. okay, go ahead. Early this morning, I go out to a big pick and pull, and I got me a couple OEM masks, came home, cleaned them a little bit, put it in, boom, car runs totally different fuel trims. Um, okay. And my values are a lot. So it looks like my uh, aftermarket one was actually under-reporting. Right, and that's typically that's typically what they will do. Um, I'll tell you what, Joe, sit right there because i got a comment for you. i got, okay. an, I got an easier test for you on mass airflows I want to give you when I come back. Let me just pull over and take this pause. I'm Ron and the car doctor. We'll return right after this. Every highway, let me slip away on. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor. 855-560-9900 is the 24-7 phone number. And don't forget to check out the car doctor Facebook page. Joe, you're still there in Florida, sir. Yes, sir. Um, simple test, and good job diagnosing it. Um, simple test for a mass air is, and now that you've got a good one and a bad one to play with, you can actually see the results of it. Take the good one. Take the car for a ride. Your scan tool has to have a value on their calculated load. Yes, sir. I've listened to you enough. I did do that test. Did it? What, what did it come up? What did it come up with with the bad one? I could only get it about fifty-eight, but I'm kind of like, you know, the car downshifts, and I don't really want to rev it out that hard. So okay. Well, that's, every time yeah. I really try to lug it in a low gear, it kind of downshifts automatically, has a mind of its own. Right. Well, this is a, you know, keep in mind, this is a, just got to put your foot through the headlight and. Close your eyes yeah, mentally. On the so new one, speak. I can only get about seventy-eight percent. Is that close enough? Well, that's better. You know that shows yeah. if 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 your driving habits are the same, if you're driving it the same way, uh, you know that shows an improvement and that proves the point about calculated load. You'll typically see good calculated load value eighty-five to ninety percent or above. Um, occasionally, you'll get a car to hit hundred percent. The last thing I'm going to do before, and the last thing I want to mention to you before I let you go is. You may want to also consider, you know, such low mileage, 90,000 miles, 2002. You may also want to, just for giggles, put a thermostat in that car just to make sure operating temperature is up to where it's supposed to be. All right? Um, okay. You know, as, as as little as a difference of, you know, 5 to 8 degrees in, in terms of a thermostat, if that's the original stat and never been changed... I'd be I'd be definitely doing that just out of sheer maintenance. The other thing to I wanted to mention is when you're doing the propane test and you're looking for O2 activity, just feed a little propane down the throat of the motor too. All right, you should be able to give that a whiff of propane, and you should see that O2 sensor shoot to nine tenths of a volt or better, typically one volt, and you'll know that that's an active O2 and it'll flatline at a high voltage. Um, and it's it's a matter of playing with the propane bottle so that you're not feeding it too much, just enough to enrich that O2 sensor and and, and let it go high like that. Uh, but I like what you did. I like the way you did it. So good job to you too. Let me ask you one quick question yes, on sir. departure. Yes, sir. Your wife's Malibu had a 3800 in it, did it? Uh, no, 3.5. 
That was 3. a that, that was a three five. That was a different motor. Yeah, that was a different motor. Um, so yes, sir. All right, but uh, you go ahead. You take care of that, and um, by all means, you give us a call back when you need something. Uh, always a pleasure. Let's pull over and take a pause. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We'll be back to wrap it up with Stephen Rhode Island right after this. Hey, let's get over and talk to Stephen Rhode Island. Ron Anning, the car doctor, at your service, sir. How can I help? Hi, good afternoon, Ron. Yes. Uh, my Chevy Aveo surges on acceleration. Uh, fuel injection cleaner into the gas tank seems to help for about five, 600 miles, and it tends to come back. Anything else I can do on my own? Um, you know, fuel injection cleaner, as much as I believe you when you say it, it, it seems to make a difference, I'd, I'd like to see it by the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. Uh, you know, is it is it that you're driving along at 40 miles an hour, steady state, steady foot on the gas, and the car just sort of you know surges forward on its own? Is is that a is no, that a good? Steady. Go ahead. It, it's steady at a constant speed. It's fine. It's only on acceleration. So on acceleration, as you're accelerating, the car seems to be surging forward. How would you experience yep. that? I'm trying to get my head around that. Um, uh, steady. <laughs> right? Um, steady on the gas pedal. Steady on the gas pedal accelerating. Mm-hmm, but the car hesitates a slight bit and then accelerates and hesitates a slight bit and accelerates. I wonder if this is a drive-by-wire car in 2009. I'm thinking it is. Mm, I don't think so. Um, my, wife's, uh, my wife's Malibu it, was in 05. That's four years newer. My 08 Silverado. Well, the Aveo's really a day woo. Yeah, no, I know. But even so, a lot of the imports were, were drive-by-wire in the mid-2000s, too. I'd just be curious if this is a drive-by-wire, if this has a dirty throttle plate. Um, oh, okay. Just, 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 just thinking, just trying to look for something simple. And I think that's probably mm-hmm. where I would take it. I think I'd, I'd look to see, uh, you know, and for that matter, I mean, it's something simple. But for my seat here, i got to cover all the bases. How clean or dirty is the air filter? Is it is it packed with something? Do we have a restriction there? Do we have a problem with the air intake duct? And is this a mass airflow sensor-equipped vehicle? Could the air intake duct be cracked after the sensor, like the old BMWs used to do? Uh, they would leak after the sensor and create a surge on acceleration in that sense. Um, and then do I have a dirty throttle body? So there's some visual things you can do, but then the next step after you eliminate air intake and dirty throttle body and things like that is then I want to see it on a scan tool. I want a scan tool hookup. I want to look at fuel trim. I want to see changes in fuel trim, you know, telling me because that's telling me that the engine is actually changing its operation or its status while accelerating. And if not, then I've got to start thinking about something else. What else do I have going on? Um, uh, but that's how I would approach it. Obviously, no, I, obviously no check engine light, nothing like that, right, Steve? Not yet, no. Okay. All right. Well, and, and keep that in mind, too, the fact that the light hasn't popped. When you hook up a scan tool, you can go in and look for pending codes because maybe there's something lurking that hasn't happened yet, uh, but it's about to. So that might give you a direction also. But I'd be thinking about intake duct. I'd be thinking about air filter, um, dirty throttle body, something along those lines. All right, sir? All right. Yeah, good. You take good care. Um, hmm. Wow, that was a quick hour. They all seem to be quick. Well, what can I tell you, folks? Life, life in the times of the car doctor, right? 
Um, as always, a pleasure to be here with you this past hour, and I appreciated the calls from all over the country. We heard from California, we heard from Florida, we heard from Rhode Island, we heard from uh, everybody. It's uh, amazing. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.